Hi, today is January 15, 2023. This is Podcast 441. I'm Todd Ogasawar. Good for John West. And um, for our fives of listeners, we're going to be focusing on some recent end-user AI, end-user-focused AI tools that mm-hmm. in the last couple of months, it seems somehow seems to have taken the world by storm and caused a lot of consternation among folks. And John will try to relieve at least a small subset of the population. Yeah, well, there's a the, the the group that I'm a part of is freaking out over this, and I think they're freaking out in ways that uh, they they don't need to be freaking out over. I mean, if they're doing their job, they don't need to worry about it. Now, if they're if they themselves are channeling their constituents' mindset about things, then maybe it's a problem. But we can we can get into that after we unpack what we're talking about. Alrighty. First thing I want to note, <clears throat> note is that uh, I've been using Freeform a lot more lately, uh, mostly because I often read articles and things on uh, on an iOS device, and Freeform only works on iOS devices, which is kind of a pain and a weakness. But I, it, it is useful since I am mostly on an iPad and I'm reading things. And <clears throat> I'll just copy and paste a link to Freeform for discussions like like our mobile use podcast, and so I have mm-hmm. a bunch in there. I'm still getting used to it. I'm still not sure I, I fully adopt or like the infinite two-dimensional canvas concept, which to me is a little bit... Infinity is... Well, it's not quite infinity, but you know, close, close enough to infinity for me that it's <clears throat> difficult to wrap my head around in terms of how to use it right. But anyway, I've been using it so much that when I started this podcast or fired up my MacBook Pro for the podcast, which is the... I have two Macs. A MacBook Pro mm-hmm. and a MacBook Air, and the MacBook Air M1 based on MacBook Air is already on macOS Ventura, and I have not upgraded this one because uh, I was waiting for audio issues to be fixed by various vendors, and they have, um, but I still haven't upgraded it, and Freeform is not available <laughs> unless you're on <laughs> macOS 14, so I, I said, oh, let's fire Freeform, and it, uh, Freeform, there's another thing called Freeform that's apparently a streaming TV thing, a streaming video thing, but anyway, so I had to go fire up my iPad and hand copy some, not hand copy, but research some, uh, re-search some uh, some notes I'd left there uh, about Canva, actually, in discussion about our AI. But at any rate, so I, I just want to say, uh, so getting started, Freeform is beginning to appeal to me. I still don't use it for everything. I, pr- I probably never will because it's only on iOS and iPadOS. But it's really beginning to grow on me. So um, I just haven't found yeah, any I... friends or family who use it with me. <laughs> If it just had a web view, I don't yes. need a web interactive. I don't yeah. need, I just need a web view that as I draw, it will update in near real time and show right. that I'm drawing things. That's all I want it to do. And then I would use it probably three or four times a week in class. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's too bad because I really thought it might be an iCloud. You know, you log into your iCloud account on a non-Apple device and you got to at least see something read-only, but that is not the case. Uh, iCloud does a great job of allowing you access to other Apple um, services, but not Freeform. Okay, mm-hmm. so I was going to say that AI is, I think, older than me. And <laughs> if I remember the story correctly, back in the 1950s, um, some MIT researchers wanted to get federal funding, and so they decided to coin the term artificial intelligence because of that they thought that was pretty sexy. And, withdraw funding and they were right. They also said mm-hmm. they could solve the AI, if I remember correctly, they could solve the AI vision problem specifically in about three years. It took a little longer than that, it turns out, <laughs> but they were very ambitious at the time. 
that said, AI has been around a long time, so it's really nothing new in terms of a conceptual thing. But what is new, at least new to me, is I noticed in the last maybe six to 12 months that the end user accessible AI tools has really you know, come to fore and getting a lot of press in the mainstream press, not just the technical press. And especially um, OpenAI's chat GPT, which has gotten you know, just tons and tons of press and caused all kinds of concern. Um, so I, I finally created an account for myself last night. And I should say finally, because I tried a few times earlier in the past week, but it kept telling me that basically, you know, it's too busy. Uh, yeah, GP, chat, in fact, right now, chat GPT is at capacity, uh, try later. So it's not something that is, you know, um, scaled up for the kind of demand that it's seeing right now. Uh, but it, it's pretty, what I, what I, so I, basically last night, Hawaii time, which is like probably in the wee hours, you know, man, the mainland when people were asleep and stopped playing with it, I was able to log in or create an account, log in and play with it. And I got to say, I was pretty impressed. Uh, I asked a couple of questions. Uh, one of the first question I asked was, uh, what are, what, what are good tools to record a podcast outdoors or walking? And not only, not only gave me some pretty good answers, I thought, including some specific devices that I'd actually been looking at the Zoom H1N and the Tascam DR05. But mm-hmm. it also gave me some, um, it also gave me like a little op-ed saying, it's worth noting that when recording outdoors, you'll want to pay attention to the environment and take steps to minimize back. I mean, it's all, you know, <clears throat> not earth shaking, but it's all good advice, really. Um, and for somebody who may not have been looking at this space, it's, uh, you know, it might help them in their planning. And even things like consider bringing an external battery or portable charger if you're going to be walking a long time. So. I asked it some other questions too. I asked it to do a quick sort algorithm uh, to write a quick sort routine in Lisp. <laughs> it did it. Mm-hmm. I thought I haven't actually tested the routine, but just looking through it, it looked pretty good based on you know my decades old knowledge of Lisp. Uh, it used Common Lisp, and um, and there are also a couple other tools you know out there. Um, you know, uh, one that's really not available is uh, gosh, I forget what it's called. Oh, uh, Val E. I guess just a, a take on Wall E from Disney or Pixar. Mm-hmm. For Microsoft, it's supposed to be able to take something like three seconds of spoken recording from a human being and then be able to replicate that human's voice and intonation, which the the demos, the samples are pretty good. I don't I think a lot of people would be fooled if you didn't tell them, you know, what was going on. If you know what you're listening to, you can hear the difference. Kind of hindsight mm-hmm. is twenty twenty thing. And then there's also another Microsoft one that I, I I'm on a waiting list for called Microsoft Designer. It's one of the many um, well, several tools, at least that I've seen, um, announced that allows somebody to put in text, a text description, and have uh, you know the AI uh, design or draw out something based on mm-hmm. the text description. So I'm waiting to see when I can get on that. Uh, it's called Microsoft Designer. You can go sign up at designer.microsoft.com. And the uh, final, I guess, big names or big name left is uh, Canva, which I think was recently, or last couple of months, was bought by Adobe. So Canva is this uh, really, really popular. I mean, I never even heard of it till last year. Uh, used by designers and so forth, people who do a lot of, um, you know, build brochures and announcements and things. And anyway, they have two AI-powered uh, components. One is called MagicWrite, which is part of Canva mm-hmm. Docs. And that can do copy editing. You know, you tell it, you know, give me 10 ideas for something and, you know, and it, it will spit it out somewhat like ChatGPT. Uh, the difference is that 
if you're a free account user, you can only use it 25 times total in your lifetime. <laughs> if you have multiple lifetimes, I guess you can do it twice. Um, and if you're a paid user, you can use it 75 times per month. So 75 queries per month, which is, I guess, enough. Although I know we're using uh, ChatGPT last night, and I, I did like half a dozen in just a few minutes <laughs> just to play with it. So uh, 75 is not a lot when you're getting started. I guess when you're more experienced, it's better. Yeah. So what do you th- what do you think, John? Okay, so, Professor Professor Westfall. Yeah. So sure. ChatGPT has been very uh, controversial in the academic realm as of late, and I will kind of walk through the, the the ways of thinking about it. So obviously, the very first freak out was, oh my God, students are going to use this to write all of their papers, and it's so good, we're not going to be able to tell the difference. <laughs> Which uh, honestly. So it depends on how you write your assignments, obviously. And it also depends on how much grading you're doing and how much time you can devote to reading each of your assignments. But I am not as concerned as many of my colleagues. And I'll, I'll sort of mention why. The first is uh, ChatGPT uh, does have legitimate uses in academia that I believe we should encourage our students to explore because it's a powerful tool that, you know, just like calculators were initially, you know, the old joke about, well, my high school teacher said you need to know how to do this by hand because you won't have a calculator everywhere you go. And now I go everywhere with a calculator in my pocket (laughs) that also does 100 other things. Uh, ChatGPT has great uses. So, for example, I had to write my annual evaluation this last month. And part of that is looking at my teaching evaluations over the last year and summarizing the main points and what, you know, my response was to them, you know, what are students saying and do I agree and what am I doing about it? And do I do nothing about it? Do I just say this is, you know, nonsense, whatever. So I thought, well, I always do this by going through and reading them and I try to do a good job of summarizing them, but I, I worry that I overweight certain things or I underweight certain things. So I thought, you know what, I'm just going to ask ChatGPT to do it. So I pasted all of my comments in from last spring, summer, and fall. And I said, these are my teaching evaluation comments for this year. Can you summarize them for me? Right. And it did. It produced a bullet list of about, from a you know a list of probably 30 or 40 comments, it made a list of six or seven comments that were summaries. And I then, in my annual evaluation, I said, I asked an AI to summarize my comments. It produced this, and now I will respond to each one of its points. And that was much easier than than me trying to do it well uh, with my limited human brain and not overweighting certain things and underweighting others. So that sort of thing I see as very useful for students, the idea that you can use it to do these things that previously would have had to use a statistics package to do some sort of sentiment analysis and summary and qualitative analysis that is quite honestly time consuming. It can do it in much less time. So why wouldn't I want my students having that ability to uh, critically evaluate summaries and those sorts of things? So there, uh, there are uses, and I have a few colleagues that we definitely believe the, the use in academia is teaching our students how to use ChatGPT and other AIs in a responsible way where they can actually up the quality of their work versus, mm. you know, because if I think about it, a student showing me a summary that ChatGPT created and being honest about it and saying, look, ChatGPT created this and I'm going to respond to it. I have much more respect for that than a student just going, yeah, I, I thought this was the important points of my comments. And, okay, well, how do you know those were important? Those sorts of things. Yeah. 
So the other things that make me not too concerned about ChatGPT, I first think if you tell your students how to use it effectively, first of all, they now know that you know about it, which gives enough students just pause enough to go, huh, he knows it exists. And if he knows it exists, then he might question me on it because he just told me about it and just blatantly came out and said, don't use this to write your papers. Um, so you're laying your cards on the table. I definitely believe that's a much better way to do it than just try to pretend that it doesn't exist and hope it goes away. I mean, look at how well that worked for most media and cable companies when the internet came out. Pretend it doesn't exist and hope it goes away was not go. a viable commercial strategy for those there things. You go. One other thing I've noticed is that when ChatGPT is wrong, it is really wrong and confident that it is right. <laughs> Uh, so, for example, a couple of weeks ago, of course, there's new versions of ChatGPT rolling out. One of the things I asked it just last week, it seems to have yeah. fixed itself. So I will, uh, I'll, I'll talk about how it's getting smarter. But I was listening to music one night, and I said to ChatGPT, "What song has the line quotes clouds in my coffee end quote in it?" Mm. Now, do you know what song I was referring to that has a rather famous song that has the line clouds in my coffee? You know, it's 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 tickling my brain, but I, I, I'm i pretty sure I heard it, but I, I can't say I can name this Okay. Song. And you are not an AI, so I will give you a pass on this. You don't have <laughs> the combined knowledge that you, you weren't trained on a, on a corpus that would probably include it. So ChatGPT's answer was the song that includes the line clouds in my coffee is uh -huh. crazy by Seal. The lyrics of the song include the line, and then it includes a snippet of the lyrics for Crazy by Seal, okay. which neither include the word coffee or clouds. <laughs> and then it says the song was originally written and recorded by <clears throat> Willie Nelson, and Seal's cover version was released in 1994. It became a hit and helped establish Seal as a successful artist, which I'm not exactly sure if that's true. No, that's um, not. Yeah, that, that seems a little off as well. So I then wrote back to ChatGPT and said, you made a mistake. Those lyrics do not contain my requested quote. So basically, not only are you wrong, you're not even showing me a quote that's got these words in it. So then ChatGPT comes back with, I apologize for the mistake. So ChatGPT is at least very functional. The lines, quote, clouds in my coffee, end quote, is actually from the song Crazy by Celine Dion, which ah. was released in 1998. The lyrics of the song include the line, quote, I'm through with doubt. There's nothing left for me to figure out. I've paid a price and I keep paying. I'm through with doubt. Don't know what's up or down. I'll just float through this cloud in my coffee town, end quote, which I don't really think those are the right lyrics for that anyway. <laughs> but then it apologized again. And so, you know, very functional, but still very wrong. <laughs> So I then wrote, that's better, but the song I was thinking of was You're So Vain. The Carly Simon song that has the line, you know, oh, clouds in my coffee. Yeah. ChatGPT comes back with, I apologize for the error. So again, very considerate. You're So Vain is a song written and performed by Carly Simon and released in 1972. The song became a huge commercial success and helped to establish Simon as a successful artist. True right. facts. The lyrics of the song do not include the line clouds in my coffee. <laughs> Instead, the lyrics of the song include lines such as, and then it gives me partial lyrics. Right. To, to that. So and then another apology, even though it apologizes for being for telling me I'm wrong. But whatever. Right. So I wrote that after I saw its lyrics, I said, print the entire lyrics for Carly Simon's You're So Vain. Right. And it tried to do that. And it was wrong. 
And I wrote, ah, I see what the problem is. You don't know the entire lyric. You are missing some of them. Right. It then apologizes again. and says, you are correct. The lyrics I provided are incomplete. Here are the complete lyrics to Carly Simon's You're So Vain. And in the second time it prints out the lyrics, it has the line, clouds in my coffee. And, you know, the verse you two, know, I had some dreams. They were clouds in my coffee, clouds in my coffee. Okay. So I have two so, comments. What, one. Yes. <laughs> one is. I, Only a I professor would argue people. Carly Simon songs with a AI. <laughs> no, 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 no. One, for people um, for whom this discussion that John had, the good Dr. Westfall had with ChatGPT seems familiar, I highly recommend you go rewatch the TV series Cheers and specifically <laughs> focus on Cliff Clavin, <laughs> who confidently yeah. says all kinds of stuff, yes. uh, true or not. <clears throat> the other thing is I have a SEAL story, believe it or not. Okay. So 1994 or five, I think, I was at Comdex in Las Vegas back when we still had Comdex. And I was on a bus going to a session on digital recording which was new then, right? I mean, really there was, I think MP3 was maybe still new, maybe didn't even exist. At any rate, it was a big deal, you know, talking about where where audio was going to go in the next couple of years. Uh, and remember, mm -hmm. this is nearly 30 years ago. And on the bus with me was Seal, <laughs> believe it or not. He is very distinctive looking guy and he's a big guy. And uh, I, I, I was a fan uh, because of his, the uh, the work he did for the first Batman movie, Michael Keaton, he did mm -hmm. one of yep. the songs there. Any rate, so he he was this super friendly guy. He was talking to anybody who cared to chat with him, especially about uh, he was very knowledgeable about you know digital recordings and all of that. And I was talking about his opinions about you know where we were going, you know, from physical media to digital and all of that. So anyway, that's I I didn't have a chance to talk with him, but. Uh, he seemed like a very friendly and knowledgeable guy. I just wanted to mention my near-close encounter with greatness, mm -hmm. the artist yes. on the seal. And his crazy version is not Willie Nelson's, uh, <laughs> in case anyone was worried that there was some... A lot of artists have produced songs named Crazy. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so ChatGPT, when it's wrong, who is it wrong? And when it is wrong, it believes it's right. And to the point of arguing with you... So right. if you are a professor and you are reading something that is generated by ChatGPT, it's probably wrong. And at the very <laughs> least, you will probably be uh, going, huh, this seems like this student might not have understood the English language or maybe didn't understand what I was getting at. So you're not going to be giving A's to ChatGPT papers. You might not catch them if you're quick and running through things, but you will probably not uh, think they are the best written papers on the planet. And uh, and maybe your whole grading should not be consisting of one paper that they could easily plagiarize. Maybe you should have some other ways to, to evaluate their learning. So uh, again, another college student in this case who was had the same concerns as many of my college actually created something, as you point out, it's called GPT-0. Yep. NPR did a nice article on this about an app that you can plug papers into, and it will tell you if it looks sort of like something like JetGPT <laughs> would have said. So last week, I was talking with a colleague of mine, one of the colleagues that we were talking about how to have our students successfully use ChatGPT without, you know, you know how would you approach this? 
And I said, you know, there's this tool. And she said, yeah, I noticed the article about it. I said, you know, I wonder what happens if you just ask ChatGPT if it wrote something. So now this was on last week's version of ChatGPT. Okay, okay. Today I just tried replicating it, and ChatGPT has figured out its problem. I, maybe. At least today ah. it did. Ah. So last week I plugged in some, uh, some text that I wrote, so I know where it came from. I wrote it. And I said, did you write this? And ChatGPT said, oh, Siri is now answering for <laughs> ChatGPT, apparently on my watch. So I asked ChatGPT, did you write this? And it said, yes, I wrote that. And I started putting a bunch of random pieces of text into it. And it kept saying it wrote everything. Right. So today I, I asked it the same thing. And it now has a much more diplomatic answer. It now says, as a language model, I'm able to generate text based on the input I receive. I can write something, but I don't have consciousness to claim that I wrote something. Uh, Apparently, it didn't stop it last week. So maybe uh, its consciousness was removed in the last week, and now it can't take credit for things. Uh, and then it actually has this whole thing about it's important to understand the text generated by me should not be submitted as original work and always should be cited properly. It is not appropriate to plagiarize and it is unethical. So someone at OpenAI has been with the January 9 version of ChatGPT has decided that they're going to try to cut off some of these plagiarism worries, uh, whereas the December 15th version didn't care at all and just took credit for everything. So my my warning out there to students is if you think ChatGPT is a great idea to write your essays, ChatGPT might be the biggest plagiarist of all, at least on the <laughs> December 15 version, because it claimed it wrote everything. So don't don't use it to write but, your but stuff. But that said, going, going back to your original, your other discussion point about how to use it for good, so to speak, instead of evil. Um, would you say that it might be a good way to have uh, to provide prompts to a student to get started on oh, a yeah. term paper or project? Yeah, I would. Uh, yeah, so let me let me pull up. I have Chat, Chat GPT up right now, and it is um, it's as you're right as you said, it's under high demand because college yeah. just went back. So apparently, a lot of students are asking Chat GPT to probably write some things. Actually, um, I've I've but, got a Cloudflare timeout right now. So, um, okay, so I'm going to ask it. I am writing a self-reflection essay for my college comp class. Can you give me a few prompts to get me thinking about my past and how it affected me? Because ah. that would be sort of something that I would imagine a uh, an English teacher would want their students to do reflect on your past talk about you know how mm -hmm. you are the person you are today right. so it's giving me here are a few prompts that may help you start your self-reflection essay reflect on a significant event in your past that shaped who you are today how did it change you and your perspective on life think about a person who's had a major impact on your life Consider a time where you faced a difficult challenge. Reflect, I mean, it just keeps going. Reflect on a decision you made in the past that you now regret. Think about a hobby or interest you've had for a long time. Reflect on a time when you were proud of yourself. Consider a time when you were vulnerable and open to someone. <laughs> reflect on a time when you had taken a risk. Think about a time where you had to overcome a fear. And reflect on a time when you had to apologize or make amends for something. Those are all good. All of those would be great prompts if I had to write a self-reflection essay. Now I've got 10 prompts. I mean, I could write a five-page paper probably about my life if I just took 
five of those and expanded them out to a page. So that is a great use of chat GPT for, you know, helping you figure out what you want to write about and overcoming writer's block. But at no time would you ever want to ask chat GPT, reflect on my past and tell me how it affected me because you're not going to get something your English professor is going to like there. <laughs> ah, sorry. Oh boy. Well, in fact, I'm just curious. I asked it, reflect on my past and tell me how it affected me. And it goes, I'm sorry, I'm not able to reflect on your past as I am an AI and do not have information about your past experiences. Oh, well, I'm, I'm impressed you got in, by the way, because uh, I'm not getting the Cloudflare error anymore, but I am getting at capacity. So I'm impressed. Mm. You. Maybe because you're closer. I don't, you're closer to the cloud. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, it and I have had very deep conversations about music lyrics. And so apparently <laughs> I'm one of its BFFs. favorite you. It favors yes, <laughs> definitely. Well, you know, it's it's a, it's an interesting tool. Um, I'm really interested to see how evil people will use it because you know they're going to. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, years uh, ago when I was, uh, you know, in grad school and as a postdoc, we would talk about you know how do you justify telling students who are going to use this information to manipulate others about all right. these psychological things. And right. the answer is they already know that they can do these things. They right. don't know why it works, but they don't care why it works. They just know how it, how it worked. Right. And maybe there's students in the audience that if you tell them how it works, they can use it for good. They can, you know, refine the dirty tricks to be the clean tricks in a sense and use it for good. So that's all you can really do with this stuff. You're not going to be able to stop it. I've actually heard of campuses banning chat GPT and blocking it at the firewall. Really? And, I mean, this is just this is just insanity. If you believe in uh, any sort of academic freedom, the idea that we're just going to bury our head in the sand and hope it goes yeah. away is about the stupidest thing you can do. It's not going to go away. Yeah. So either figure out how to teach your students how to use it and use it effectively like any other tool. Or, I mean, I guess look how well it worked out for the never learn to use a calculator crowd. You know, do it all in your head. Yeah, I, you know, I had a, a former colleague that still had students as recently as 10 years ago hand and hand calculating. And I said, well, I get the idea of understanding how these things work. And sure. I get the idea, especially with hand calculations, knowing you know, even though pretty much all stats comes down to signal over noise, but whatever. Uh, I get the idea that you're you're doing that. But yet, if I if I do the most beautiful hand drawn graph and I send that to a journal editor and I say I would like to include this in my publication, they're going right. to tell me that's nice. Do it in Excel like everyone else, <laughs> or do it in R. We're we're not going to take your artwork and put it in our journal. You know, and if I say I calculated this uh, by hand, they're going to go, uh, why? <laughs> you know, <laughs> why would you do that? Uh, and could you and are check you sure you computer? didn't make a mistake? <laughs> yeah, shouldn't you check that with a computer? See if it's, you know. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can figure out how to use these things and how to teach your students how to use them properly. Well, as my former boss, uh, the state CIO, used to say to people, Hope is not a plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hope that chat AI servers die is not a plan. Um, but or that blocking yeah, them on your network prevents students from using a different network. 
<laughs> if anything, as a student, I'm going to think, wow, this thing must really be able to do all my homework for me if they're so scared <laughs> of it that they blocked it, you know? You know? But. Yeah. And it also goes to show what they're thinking. You know, in the old days, the only place you had network access, well, maybe not you, John, but in my day, the only place I had network access to anything was at school, you know, at the university, um, especially back when, I was, when, when you could count the number of nodes on the internet, you know, literal. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there was no other way to do it. Uh, so, you know, but that hasn't been true in, oh, I don't know, 40 years, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, so, it's, it's been a while. <laughs> so it's an interesting BYOI, bring your own internet is a much more realistic concept now than it ever has been in the past for sure for sure uh boy yeah especially since everybody has internet in the pocket these yes. quite literally well that was quite interesting john you know i, I was kind of curious about what as an academic what your thoughts were on this you know me looking on the outside going hmm <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I, get, what... I get the fear on my colleagues faces when they see this but i do not understand the the belief that if we just ignore it or we just tell our students don't use it then that's good enough yeah because obviously telling them not to plagiarize, that's worked wonderfully. I never get any plagiarism problems because I always tell them not to plagiarize. And I say that firmly with my tongue in cheek. <laughs> there, I, there is not a semester that goes by I don't have problems with plagiarism. Yeah. So it's going to happen. You can tell students not to do it. They're going to do it. Yeah. Or they'll think they can, well, they can, maybe I can outsmart him on this one thing. You've never seen fear on a student's face, like when you bring them into your office and say, so uh, I have a few questions about your paper. Here's a sentence that makes no sense. Please explain it. <laughs> and they look at you and go, uh, I, and you're like, well, you didn't quote it. So obviously it's your words. So what does it yeah. mean? Or better yet, here's a sentence of yours that I took a word out of. What word went in there? All right. You know, if I wrote it, I should know what word I put in that critical moment, you know, uh, especially if you take out the word less or more and they can't figure out which one was supposed to be in there, then probably they didn't write it. So oral exams and, uh, you know, closed tests, CLOZE tests and all those things are, are still very useful in academia to determine if your students actually know something or not. Well, but, do you want to hear about my uh, my purchase this week? Uh, I sure a, do. A second gen Apple product. So I sure after do. being a, a user of the AirPods Pro first gen since fall of 19 when they were released, I bought a pair of the Gen 2 because I, I've started to think that my Gen 1s might slowly be dying. I've heard some weird whistling and cracking and people have said that sometimes my audio quality isn't that great. So I thought, well, you know, it might be time for the Air, AirPods Pro 1s to become the backup pair, because I use these things at least an hour or two every day. So I also hate the idea that if they do die, I have nothing. Right. Uh, so I figured I'll just buy a pair of AirPods Pro Gen 2. And my initial impressions, and I did some some side-by-side -side comparison in a sense, where I would have, right, right. Uh, you know, I'd listen to a song with the first gen and then listen to it with the second gen, back and forth. Um, now, these were not double blind. So I guess there's a chance I'm, you know, adding my sunk cost into the, uh, the right. second gen's appraisal. Right. But it does seem basier, uh, a little bit more base than I had in the first gen drivers. And the timbre of the, uh, the sound just seems warmer. It, it's got hmm. like overall a little bit more of that, that color of, of warmth into it. If you're, you're into 
the idea of music having timbre. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did notice something interesting. So this is the first time I've ever got engraving on an Apple product. Uh, I decided to get my Memoji engraved on the front of my <laughs> AirPods good. case, my, my thumbs up Memoji. And because uh, that's the one I end up sending to people a lot because I'm very positive in chat. So I got that and I thought, well, this is nice. Yeah, it looks good. looks crisp. And then I was very shocked when I paired it to my iPhone that the case, when it shows the little graphic of the case and shows you, you know, open the AirPods, blah, blah, it had right. my Memoji on the case. That's pretty cool. And every time the case is shown in any graphic on my iPhone, it shows the Memoji as part of it. Um, even when it's charging, if it's a charging in the other room, it will show, you know, the Memoji and the little and the light will be green because it knows it's on charge. Right. So I, I just think it's one of those That's little nice attention touch. to detail things that uh, you would not expect most companies to bother with. And Apple does it. I assume they do it on their other engraved products as well. Now, now, uh, have you tried? Now, I still have the first-gen Apple AirPods Pro. Um, so I need to use my watch or touch my, actually, like a touch my iPhone like an animal to change the volume. How's the uh, ah, yes. control for uh, volume control? Uh, it works. I'm doing it right now. I'm watching the, uh, the level go up on my yep, computer because yep. I've been using the AirPods Pro Gen 2s as my microphone and headset for this podcast. Oh, interesting. And, good, uh, by the way. Yeah. And it's, it's nice, although I suspect I will forget it is there because I'm not used to having it there. So uh, especially right now, I'm going out a lot in cold temperatures and wearing gloves. And so uh, my, my fingers do not activate the, uh, the touch sensors as easy if they're in gloves or at all if they're in gloves. Now, you remember back in the day when we didn't have styli or styluses, whatever the plural is, and we had to touch our screens like an animal? Uh, yeah, and I, 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 of course, live in a warm weather area where I don't ever need to wear gloves. But I do remember reading about gloves that had have like a capacitive surface, uh, like some of the old, you know, passive uh, stylus you used to buy that would allow you to touch your screen. Do you think those would work on your? I I have a couple pair pairs of those and they do work and they oh, they okay. work well on touch screens. It's just that when it is thirty degrees out, I tend to wear heated gloves that are leather mm. that I just picked up this week, or I wear I use hand warmers or whatever so that my fingers are not frostbitten when I come in after a forty five minute walk. Yeah. So I um, I can't. Those are just way too big and bulky to use on any kind of touch screen. But yeah, I assume my touchscreen gloves would work on it just fine. I will, I'll know that next time it gets to like 45 instead of 30 degrees. <laughs> you know, people who live in real cold weather are going to make fun of you, right, John? <laughs> I, I, I don't care because honestly, A, I'm not anywhere near them because they're too cold for my, my liking. B, I don't know how they're going to have enough volume to get air through their lungs and out without it instantly crystallizing. And, you know, and, and C, my question to them is, if cold weather is so great, why does yeah. your body physically hurt? Because <laughs> I don't know about you, but I've been out in, in pretty warm temperatures. And while I might perspire, right. I don't hurt. Like the heat has never made my bones hurt. It's never made my skin feel like it's going to break. So I think you should listen to the physiological signs that your body is giving you. Uh, And you shouldn't be in extreme heat either. But, you know, 
extreme cold, your body is definitely telling you it ain't as great as it seems. You are living in a world of cognitive dissonance if you're telling yourself that you like it and that it makes you tougher. You just are stuck and you need right. to find an escape plan. Well, as I think I've mentioned to our five listeners before, I have, uh, as a child, I lived about 95 miles south of the Arctic Circle. And, uh, and you don't to... anymore. Case closed. <laughs> we don't anymore. <laughs> and we had to go through the children's version of Arctic Survival. Uh, which was quite interesting. It kind of stays with you. You know, one of those childhood lessons mm-hmm. that stays with you even if you don't need it anymore. And uh, having been in minus 60 degree weather, I can I can tell you, yeah, that's not real comfortable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's minus 60 without wind chill. I don't know what it was with wind chill, but uh, fortunately it wasn't very windy on those days for most times, for at least mm-hmm. the, the, the years I was there. But at any rate, I am glad I no longer have to worry about such warming tools uh, like a electronic hand warmer which is to me like like magic <laughs> yeah, with the chemical, yeah, they are chemical we didn't even have chemical hand warmers then you know basically just wore a lot of clothes um with uh you know layering as they said layer layering is is the secret anyway all right so um you sound pretty happy with your second gen airpods pro i i i can't remember i i remember saying that i would buy a new one if it had some biometrics i would really like like temperature or pulse or something from the ear i thought that'd, mm-hmm. that'd be kind of interesting but um and mine are still you know knock on wood they're still pretty good i don't have any complaints about them i don't use them much by the way john because you know they keep falling out of my ear <laughs> no matter which mm. which tip i use yeah uh, so uh i i Actually, I mostly use the Echo Buds, which stick in my ear better if I'm going to listen to something while I'm in. And I, I don't dare go walk outside to my AirPods or, or anything else that doesn't have a cable on it. They all fall on them. Anyway, um, have you tried the the case's built-in speaker to locate it? Is it really lo- louder? Uh, than the, yeah, it is loud enough. And it also it beeps when you put it on. It's because it's MagSafe, so it also beeps when you put it on the MagSafe charger like anything else. Ah. So. It is, it is loud and, and crisp. And it's supposed to have a battery low um, sound too now. Yeah. Yeah. I've not heard that yet. I've been, yeah. it's been charged enough for me. Yeah. Sounds good. All righty. Well, that is it. Uh, I want to really thank John for his opinions on chat GPT in the academic world. Cause I was really, really, really curious about his thoughts on that. And uh, I'm glad that it's, he seems to think that we can, we can manage it or at least, I shouldn't say we, I'm not in academia, but the academics can manage it with some with some forethought. Like anything else, I think every every generation has new ways to kind of beat the system. Whether oh, yeah. it's calculators or you know, whatever. Um, so good luck, John, with the current generation <laughs> of, of of professors' problems to deal with. All righty, that's Movies Podcast four hundred and thirty one, I think. Um, we will, sorry, 441. Well, we're almost getting to 450. We should get some old friends together for next couple mm. of podcasts. So we'll talk to you next time.